Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 6 through 9, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. The Reverend Sharon Huey is preaching this morning. Her sermon is titled, Revelation. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a couple of highlights. Today at 11.30 a.m. on Zoom, the Reverend Dr. Leslie Veen will be teaching the final installment of her Perspectives class titled, Spirituality in Chaotic Times. We hope you will join us this morning. And again, you'll find the link in your email. A reminder that next Sunday, the 27th, the last Sunday of the month, we will have a Zoom social hour at 11 a.m. In preparation for World Communion Sunday, October 4th, the Presbyterian Church is sponsoring the Peace and Global Witness offering, which promotes peace and justice. Three quarters of the offering will go to support regions of the world affected by disease, war, and famine. Seventh Avenue's Leadership Council has decided to devote the remaining quarter to refugee resettlement in the Bay Area via Jewish Family Community Services. If you would like to contribute electronically or by check, please indicate peacemaking offering in the memo line. To all knitters and crocheters of Seventh Avenue, we are making scarves and hats as Christmas gifts for the women of Safe House. They can be any color or pattern, the guidelines are warm and washable. Please contact Susan Baker-Lena with any questions and to make arrangements for getting scarves and hats to her. She needs them by the end of November. For more details and for our complete announcements, click the related hyperlink in your email. And now, in preparation to worship, you are invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. We gather to worship the God of grace and be the body of Christ. Let us worship God whose grace knows no bounds. Yes, Alleluia. Amen.
Let us pray. The grace, mercy, and love that you offer us, Holy One, is beyond our comprehension. It is so vast, so deep, so generous. When we open our hearts to this truth, we give you thanks. When we miss it, we pray your grace, mercy, and love. Transform us so that we might transform the world. Now in silence, we continue our prayers to you. Receive this word of truth. Through Christ we are loved to wholeness. And we receive God's promise of forgiveness. Praise be to God. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses 6 through 9. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, that in your will we may discover your peace through the power of your many names. Amen. Seek the Holy One while Yahweh may be found. Call upon God while the Holy One is near. Let the wicked forsake their way, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Holy One, that Yahweh may have mercy on them, and to our God, for God will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says God. For, are the, for as the heavens are high, higher than the earth, so are my, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, beginning with the first verse. Listen for the word of God. For the sovereignty of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard and I will pay whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day, in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give you this last, the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Here ends the reading. There are the stories Jesus tells which warm our hearts. And there are the stories he tells which stick in our craw. The story in Matthew 20 is of the second kind. Can we agree on this? This story does not sit well with us. It is like the pebble that gets in your shoe when you're on a hike. You're walking along, trying to ignore the stone, hoping it goes away, but it chafes. It pokes us in tender places. It's uncomfortable. Friends, this story is all of those things. And in many ways, that is the gift of it. There's no getting around the discomfort No softening the edges of this difficult word by reducing it to a simple moralism, something which everyone can readily agree upon, something which nicely conforms to what we already know about life. No, Jesus is far too hopeful and has far too many dreams for that. Here's a story which reveals the truth about what the kingdom of heaven is like. 
by first revealing us. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner, Jesus begins. A landowner, a most unusual landowner. Rather than being a really good capitalist and focusing on the bottom line, rather than squeezing every last penny for himself and paying the least amount of people the least amount of money, this guy is intent on an ever-expanding workforce and paying his workers decently a fair wage. This landowner goes out at various points throughout the day, getting folks to work in his vineyard. Even when there's only an hour of daylight left, he goes out, foolishly in our opinion, and finds the day laborers who are still standing in the square, hands stuffed into their pockets, waiting, again foolishly in our opinion, to be hired. You too, says the landowner to those who have been waiting all day, you too go to the vineyard. There's work for you to do. At the end of the day, it's time for all the workers to be paid. Those hired last open their envelopes and see, no, it can't be, but it is a denarius, a whole day's wage. This is not what they're expecting. Those hired first are ecstatic. They're doing the math in their heads, calculating what's coming to them, and it's looking really promising. After all, Weren't they the responsible ones who showed up on the field at the very start of the day? And don't they have the sweat and the calluses and the sunburns to prove it? But opening their envelopes, they too find, no, it can't be, but it is a single denarius. They are livid. It's not fair. This is not what they're expecting. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And I want to say to Jesus, um, you need a different plan. This story reveals me. It knows me. Because I am a first who does not wish to be last more attached to the status quo than I care to admit. I have a lot to lose in the overturning that's coming with the coming of God's kingdom. Even though I've probably preached, I don't know, 500 sermons on the unmerited grace of God, I confess I am more at home in the thought patterns of earning and deserving and climbing the ladder of achievement. I've worked hard for what I have, and that should count for something. And my Chinese immigrant grandparents, they worked hard too, in sewing factories and in restaurant kitchens to claim the promise of their American home. So yes, there is something to protect. I want my privileges as an educated, middle-class, hardworking, good and fair person to count for something. 
like the first tired workers in this parable. I feel entitled to this. This story reveals me. I stumble on the stumbling block of this word. I stumble because for all the ways I consider myself on the right side of justice issues, a responsible global citizen, and a serious follower of Jesus Christ, committed to the fleshing out of God's shalom in the world, I know I often want this without too much disruption to my way of life. The first shall be last. So drastic. How about the first shall be second? The first shall be temporarily inconvenienced. The author of the book of Hebrews says this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Much as I might not want to look too closely, this living word reveals what is hidden in me, how I hide behind the rightness of my convictions without assuming the cost of my convictions, how I can cheer on the Black Lives Matter movement and denounce the systematic racism in our nation without any deep reflection on the racism that works so powerfully in me and the privileges I carry without even knowing it. The ease I have in talking about justice without doing the hard, very internal work of conforming to what justice in this moment is asking of me. We need an uncomfortable word. We need a word that will wake us up for this moment. In so many ways, we're seeing and feeling the cultural shifting happening right in front of us. A pandemic exposes how fragile and connected we all are, yet reveals too how black and brown communities are bearing the brunt of this still unfolding tragedy. A protest movement for the dignity of black lives is requiring us to reckon with our nation's racist history. But we see the black backlash too in the rise of white supremacist movements. We cannot unsee what we have begun to see. We cannot pretend that the powers that be are going to lie down and play dead. The Confederate statues may be coming down, but what will it mean for us to welcome all the other things that must come down in our institutions and in us? What will it mean for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? Do we even know what we are asking for? This tumultuous moment is also a revelation. I have been listening to a podcast series called Nice White Parents. It tells the story of one middle school in Brooklyn. 
situated in a neighborhood where mostly black and brown kids live. Over its 60 year history, this school had seen waves of more economically advantaged white families come in, often with the expressed desire of wanting to be part of an integrated community, only to leave when the top-notch enrichment programs they sought and raised money for didn't pan out or when they began to sense that their kids were going to lose out somehow, not be challenged academically or be underserved because of what the white parents would describe as a poor learning environment. The white families would start out at the school with every intention to work with the other black and brown families, but money and privilege and the unquestioned assumptions that come with that always managed to skew relationships and make it harder for the white parents to listen. In one episode, a white dad who had raised something like $50,000 to start a French language program for the school can't understand why the black and brown families in the PTA are not on board with this. I'm feeling all this outrage as I listen to this, cringing at how those white parents could be so blind. And then all of a sudden, I have this flashback of a conversation I had with an African-American woman who was the director of my children's preschool back when they were little. The preschool was connected to a black Lutheran church and was ethnically diverse, which we liked. But I made assumptions about what the school needed to improve that I could pr provide with my own resources. In my mind, I was being helpful. I was a responsible parent. So I went into the director's office and without even asking her what she was thinking, made a list of all the things we could do to fix the place up. This woman had been leading the school for decades. What made me think I could tell her what to do? Why couldn't I listen to her? I offer this confession as one small example of how I'm trying to hear the good news of this story in Matthew 20. One small example of how I'm learning to see and be made whole. Because for all of its initial discomfort, what Jesus is offering in this story is truly magnificent if we have eyes to see. Friends, see, there is another revelation here, not just of ourselves, not just of this present moment, but of God, this land-owning God who is exceedingly generous, who is scandalously generous, who's free to shake things up, up if it means that all of us can share in the blessings of his vineyard. 
this God who keeps going out to gather a people, the lasts and the firsts and everyone in between, taking away all notions that life is a zero-sum game or that we are fundamentally threats to each other. We are gods, and we are gods together. Try to see in your mind's eye the sanctuary of 7th Avenue. I know it's been a while, but try to see it anyway. We're standing in a large circle, holding out our empty hands to receive the Eucharist, to taste divine love, to drink in grace. We've brought nothing with us, not our resumes, not a list of our achievements, only our need. And yet, surprise, it's not what we expect. One by one, we are named. We are fed by God. We are told to remember Christ, but it is we who are remembered in Christ. Every last one of us, all of us, belonging. When we take this love in, literally into our bodies, then and only then are we ready to reach for the hands of our neighbor. And now the circle is stronger. Now we are nourished for the work ahead of us to live into the revelation of God's kingdom, to risk ourselves on what is truly worthy. Sisters and brothers, we are gods and we are gods together. Unfinished and still blind, to be sure, yet aching to see God's dream made flesh in us. May this be so. Amen. We believe in God, the creator of love and the abundant source of grace. We believe in God, whose generosity is endless, where all are accepted and where no one is an outcast. We believe in God, who shows us that a life of grace and thanksgiving is possible. This we believe. Amen. Justice and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit.
Let us join our hearts together, offering prayers for the world, for the whole human family, and all of creation. God of life, we give you thanks for this planet we call home. We are reminded of the gift of clean air, the treasure of water, the promise of golden hillsides turning green. Guide us with intelligence, imagination, and love that we might be good stewards of the earth and do the hard internal work of conforming to what justice for the earth and for one another requires of us. Like a pebble in our shoe, we know discomfort. We know the challenge of our tender places being exposed. Yet we also recognize the gift of humility, of the opportunity to learn and of the reminder that we belong to you, and we belong to you together. Grant us a spirit of persistence, of kindness, and of possibility with it all. Enfold us in your gentle love, that we too 
might embrace our being human. We pray that we might be sustained by each morning and that we might remember the gift of one another. So we pray for our siblings near and far, for those we know and for those we've yet to meet. We pray for their well-being, for the gift of community, for the delight of your goodness. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, we follow a scandalously generous God who has big dreams, who is even now gathering a people in fulfillment of those dreams. Welcome this. Welcome the risk of this and the work and the blessing. grace of God who created you in love. The peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love. And the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. <laughs>